Friends, I invite you to open up your Bibles. Uh, we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. And we recently began a sermon series looking at the book of Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel, where we're going to be considering the life of Samuel and Saul uh, this uh, spring. And this book is all about a spiritual revolution or an awakening that's occurring in the life of Israel. And it began in a place of need. It began in a place of helplessness. That it began in, in a place of prayer. And today, we are looking at really a continuation of that. That here was this woman who prayed. She prayed for God to give her a son. And today, we're looking at where God calls her son to himself. And so what relevance does this have on our life today? And so we're going to be considering this. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, reading the entire chapter, ending with the first verse of chapter 4. And so let's listen to God's word that he has spoken to you and given to you in love for you. 1 Samuel 3. You can follow along in your worship guide or on the wall behind me. The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. And one day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, was lying in his usual place before the lamp of God had gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. I did not call, Eli replied. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And once again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I didn't call my son. He replied, Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Once again, for the third time, the Lord called Samuel. He got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the boy. He told Samuel, Go and lie down. If he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something in Israel that everyone who hears about it will shudder. On that day, I will carry out against Eli everything I said about his family from beginning to end. I told him that I am going to judge his family forever because of the iniquity he knows about. His sons are cursing God, and he has not stopped them. Therefore, I have sworn to Eli's family, the iniquity of Eli's family will never be wiped out by either sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until the morning. Then he opened the doors of the, of the Lord's house. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, here I am, answered Samuel. What was the message he gave you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide anything from him. And Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. 
All Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a confirmed prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh because there he revealed himself to Samuel by his word. And Samuel's words came to all Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. And we pray now that you would minister to us that you would bless us now, that you would sow your word deeply in our hearts, that we would see your word, your instruction, your teaching for our life this morning, that you would show us your love and your grace for our life as well. In Christ's name I pray, amen. There is certain news that when you hear it, it is good news. And there is this type of news that when you hear it, it's unearned, it's undeserved, and yet uh, when you hear it, you are being ushered into a new way of living. Right now, I'm doing a lot of premarital counseling, and so I am thinking a lot about marriage and what is signified by marriage. And when we think about a wedding ceremony, there is certain news that is being spoken from one person to another that actually describes what I'm talking about. It's the, the, the phrase, I do. That when a, a fiancé says those words, I do, to their spouse, from where she, the, she says it to her fiancé and he says it to her, to his fiancé, those words, I do, that means you are no longer a fiancé, you are now a spouse. And that as Christians, we believe that marriage is a picture where it is meant to be a picture of the gospel, where you are fully known. That marriage is a picture of being fully known, warts and all, and that you are fully loved, where those warts are forgiven. But and when you become married, you don't ever get to return to your old way of living. That you are now ushered into a new way of living. And th- that's just only one example where that takes place. And there's another example where that takes place, and that is actually when a parents, when you find out that you are about to have a child. That once you have that child and you bring that child home, there, there's no going back. You are now ushered into a new way of living because you have heard those words, we're pregnant. And so these are the words that when someone speaks them, they are actually a grace in your life. That they are a grace. They are a gift in your life. That there's truly nothing that you have done to deserve these words that you are hearing And now that you have heard those words, you're never going to be the same person ever again. And that is exactly what's going on for us in this passage this morning. That God speaks to Samuel. That God is the one who is coming to Samuel, but looking at this verse, this is incredible in verse 7, that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That God comes to Samuel even though this young boy does not know him. And there's a picture for us here that is God is speaking to Samuel. And that is a picture that we're going to be considering for us this morning. But the main thing that we need to take away from this is that God still speaks to you today. That God still speaks to you today. And how we're going to be thinking about this idea of God still speaking to us is, is going to be under like the first point of the grace of God's word and secondly, the responsibility of God's word. So let's begin with the grace of God's word. And let's 
start right away in verse 1 that the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. So here's this picture of darkness. But this picture of darkness is actually associated with the lack of God speaking, that when God does not speak, there is darkness. And that there is, in fact, spiritual blindness going on here in Israel. There's spiritual blindness even here in the tabernacle at Shiloh. And this spiritual blindness is where you're not able to discern right from wrong. And I love how even the prophets would write about this. You don't know your right hand from your left hand. You have no direction in life. And so as we look at Israel, as we saw last week, here's Israel's priests. They are abusive. And, and while Israel, all these events here in early Samuel are taking place during the time of the judges. And the entire book of Judges is, has this refrain that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. But also, during the time of Judges, there is no prophet. The very last time that Israel had a prophet was going back to Moses. And so this calling here for Samuel, as God speaks to Samuel, he is calling him to be his prophet. And Samuel's call actually is meant to remind you of Moses' call. God said, Moses, Moses. Now God is saying, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel is actually the new prophet. He is the next Moses. And so as we think about this idea of spiritual darkness, that when you do not have priests who faithfully minister God's word to you, when you do not have God's prophets, you cannot know God's law. And so just putting this all together, there's no one who actually really brings you before God. There's no one who speaks for God to you. Like, how can you hear from God? Can you know God when he does not speak? That is the entire setting that we are stepping into. And this, these types of moments that we've actually have seen, you see elsewhere in Scripture, that there's another moment where God's word and visions are rare. And that's like the time period between Malachi and Matthew, that 400-year span leading into the Gospels. But here for us, the, the writer of Samuel, he wants us to see the, how dark this reality is. He's, he's drawing our attention to some odd details. Like looking at verse 2. One day, Eli, whose eyesight was failing, he was lying in the usual place. Looking at the, ver- the next verse. Before the lamp of God had gone out. And so here we have this picture of the priest. His eyesight's failing. He, it, we have this picture that he is spiritually blind. That he d- does not know right from wrong. He can't distinguish prayer from drunkenness. And so looking into the next verse, here's this lamp of God that is about to go out. But the lamp of God is actually always meant to be lit according to the teaching of Moses. It's always meant to be lit. And so it shows that there's actually a neglect. There's an active neglect for the things of God inside the house of God. This is a sign of darkness. And so what's so beautiful about this passage is that God is not content to remain silent. God is not happy to just let the darkness remain or just for his people to be spiritually blind. God speaks. God speaks, and who does he speak to? He speaks to a little boy. 
maybe eight years old. That is who God is speaking to. And so when God speaks, he actually reveals himself to us. That the creator of the universe makes himself known to creation. So John Calvin, a theologian from hundreds of years ago, he described this as baby talk. That the creator of the universe makes himself known to the creation. Where he comes to us. He gets down to our level to communicate certain things about himself to us. And so as you think about even this metaphor here of darkness to light, can a candle turn itself on? Can a light turn itself on? See, what... For light to come into the darkness, someone has to speak into it. Someone has to come and show the way that there is actual darkness. And so when God speaks, there is light. This is true. The very first words that God spoke in the entire history of Scripture is, let there be light. And the words of God that come from his mouth will not return empty. This is a promise that I hold on to tightly as a preacher, that Isaiah 55 says that God's word will not return empty, that there is a purpose that will be accomplished when God's word goes forth. And this is a promise that you can also hold on to, that as God speaks to you, his word is given for a purpose. And that purpose is to bring light into darkness. Like here's John 1, that in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of man. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness has not overcome it. And then continuing in chapter John 12, that, John, that Jesus came as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in him would not remain in darkness. See, friends, this is the grace of God's word, that God's word is given to bring you out of darkness and into light. Here's the apostle Paul. I am opening up their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from power to Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith. This is why God speaks, that God speaks so that we would move from the reign of darkness to come to the kingdom of light, that we would go from being enslaved and in bondage to our sin and our guilt to being freed by Christ and having the forgiveness of our sins. This is why God speaks to us. So there's this question again, why did God speak to Samuel? Samuel, verse 7, he does not know God. That God's words were rare, that these visions are uncommon, and yet God speaks. In fact, God reveals himself to Samuel. And he's doing this for one simple reason, that he loves. That God speaks his word because he loves. That here are the people of Israel. They do not know God. They are, everyone is doing what is right in their own eye. That even their leaders are neglecting the things of God and they're blind from him. And so they are, Israel is running away from God. They are running away from their father. And yet God speaks to Samuel. And yet, he's a child, and he does not yet know God. And see, God speaks as an act of grace. This is the grace of God's word. That God's word is a grace to us. It's meant to show us ourselves and to, sh- to reveal God to us. And this is what's so beautiful, friends, is that God still speaks to you today. 
that God still speaks to you today. And so how this how we think about this is that we tend to look for God in, in all sorts of different places. That yesterday, my family, we go on a walk at Stroud's Preserve. We're looking around and we're seeing the beauty. We're having the, the wind in our faces. It's a f- great experience. But as we even go out into creation, that's not a way for us to know who God is. Like, in, in our culture, we're constantly looking for beauty. We're, we're going and trying to see the world, to go to these amazing destinations. Like, I would love to go to one of those fjords in Norway and just, like, not go to the cliff and look down. But I would love to see that, that and take it all in. Because that would be, you would get a picture of the majesty and the transcendence of God. But we, friends, don't get to define how we hear from God. We don't get to define how we hear from God. Because God is actually speaking to us amidst darkness. And so we can get into visions in a conversation in one-on-one. But it's actually worth noting that God wants to be known. That God wants to be known. That even in, in the, elsewhere in the world where God's... Uh, Work is actively being attacked. It's worth noting that the number of people in Islamic countries have dreams of Jesus. And that's how they've come to faith. And so, but perhaps you've never thought to yourself, oh, hey, I wish I've had a vision. But one thing I've heard from many people in church is that they wish that they were with Jesus 2,000 years ago. Or perhaps they wish that there was a TV show that they can watch to have a a new uh, exposure to Jesus. But one thing that is truly amazing to me is what the Apostle Peter wrote. Uh, The Apostle Peter, who's one of Jesus' best friends, the guy who denied Jesus and was restored, that guy, he writes in his letter that we have scripture and that's far better than actually being there. How would an apostle, how would an eyewitness say that? And why would that be encouraging to us? Because the same intimacy that God has with Samuel, the same intimacy that God had with Moses, that is the same intimacy that you have with God. Here's Numbers 12. This is about Moses, by the way. I make myself known to him directly. I speak with him directly, open openly and not in riddles. See, friends, God has given us his word. He has given us his spirit, and his spirit is meant to to remind us and to teach us everything that Jesus has taught and said. And so here we have the scriptures, and God speaks to us through the scriptures, and this is good, and this is beautiful. But I need to clarify something, that this book is great, And this book is beautiful, but this book is not the object of our salvation. This book actually tells us about the object of our salvation. This Bible tells us about our Savior. And so God's, and that is, God's word tells us that is clearly Jesus Christ. That he is, as we heard in our call to worship, he is the word of God. And the, God, the Bible is special because it's through the scriptures that we know who Jesus is. And it's the Holy Spirit who uses God's word to open our eyes. As we sang earlier, that I once was blind, but now I see. 
And so it's the Holy Spirit who uses the scriptures to open our eyes. But this Holy Spirit is using the scriptures as a means of grace in our life. Let me just think about this means of grace for a moment. Because the word of God as a means of grace, the means of grace are specific ways that God works his grace in our life. That God's the one who has designed our spiritual growth. It, it means this is what needs to happen. This, or this is how God grows us to become more like Jesus Christ. It includes prayer, includes scripture, includes worship, includes fellowship, the sacraments, includes community. And so while you can read scripture on your own, there's something powerful about engaging with scripture together. While you can pray alone, there's something powerful about praying together. There's something powerful in that. And it's through these things that God actually matures us in Christ. And so if we look at the book of Samuel on a bigger picture, if there's going to be a spiritual revolution, an awakening, or a revival, it actually begins with this posture of of humility where God is speaking to us and where we have this wonderful grace that God, we have this news that God is speaking to us. So here, friends, you are today that God is still speaking to you. This is a grace. It is a gift that we have done nothing to deserve it. And in these, these pages, we, we hear that we are loved by God. We are known by God. We are found by God. That God delights in you. This is incredible. But this grace, this gift, also brings about a responsibility. And that's the second point to think about this morning. That there is a responsibility that comes with God's word. And so as we see God's word coming to Samuel, Samuel hears God's call. That God's calling Samuel three times. The first time is like, hey, Samuel. And so there's Samuel. He goes to Eli and Eli's... It's like, kid, go back to bed. And then he he goes back to bed, and then Samuel gets out of bed again, and he comes over to Eli. It's like, go back to bed, really? Parents, you can relate. And then the third time, it kind of clicks for Eli. It's like, this is weird. God's speaking to him. And so here, it's the Lord speaking to Samuel. But look at Samuel's posture. Speak. Verse 10, speak for your servant is listening. He is simply saying that here I am. You have called me and you're speaking to me. And so right here we we see that we have this responsibility to hear God's word. We have this responsibility to hear God's word and to receive it no matter what it is. And so certainly as you look throughout all the pages of scripture, there's plenty of good news. That you were once blind but now you see. That you are lost, but now you are found. That you are orphans, but you have been adopted. That you were cursed, but now you are blessed. And all of this is through Jesus Christ. This is all the good news that is here within Scripture. And there's even a hard call. There's some hard news that comes with the gospel. That Jesus himself said that we are to pick up our cross That Jesus says that we are to count the cost, to die to ourselves. These are some of the hard truths that every single one of us, as Andrew said earlier, we are sinners. That that means we cannot rescue ourselves. In fact, that our design, the way that we live our life without Jesus will lead to our ruin. 
So imagine hearing from a doctor the news that you've developed diabetes. And I know there's many different types of diabetes. And it's not clear how you specifically became diabetic, but there's many factors. Diet, family history, genetics, exercise, more. These are all contributing factors. But as you hear this news, as you receive this news, the reality is that your life needs to change. That your life needs to change in order to prevent worsening symptoms and more. So your diet, your free time, exercise, this news is meant to change your life. But it's also, there's the hard news here. But there's also the good news because here's an answer to a problem. It's also an answer to a remedy. And it says, hey, this is the pathway to the good life. And so where this also goes is that not only do we have the responsibility to hear and to receive God's word, we have the responsibility to act upon God's word. And this is clear all throughout the pages of Scripture, that James tells us to be doers of the word, not to simply be hearers. And so what's striking about this passage for us here in Samuel is that the word of God that Samuel heard was a judgment. It's not a judgment on any abstract person. It's not a judgment on someone he doesn't know. This is a judgment on Samuel's adopted dad. So we understand why Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. That here's Eli, his adopted surrogate father, and that here's news of judgment that is hard for Samuel to share with him. And we see other prophets who have were in similar moments, like Jeremiah. He was a prophet who was called to share news that he did not want to share. And so one immediate response to this is the fact that when we hear news of God's word, when we consider all the teaching of God's word, we have the response of being overwhelmed. Because who really wants to to share these words of judgment? Who can do all the teaching that God has commanded? Who can do everything that God has said? Because God has said a lot of things like, don't commit murder. And even even if you have a hateful thought towards another or or call someone rock a fool, you have committed murder in your heart. Or do not bear false witness. Like Like when you start going through the laws of God, who can keep all of God's commandments? We, We can feel overwhelmed. But who can do this? And the answer to that is definitely not you. And the answer is definitely not me. It's only Jesus. But thankfully, it is the gift that Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, he's the one who brings us to faith. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the new birth within our heart. He gives us this new heart, new affections, new desires, and new longing to obey God. But that desire, excuse me, that feeling of being overwhelmed is actually true. And there's that that feeling of being overwhelmed. There's two things to note about it. You can't keep God's law. That this responsibility will crush you because you cannot do it. But sadly and wickedly, there's someone out there who actually wants to devour your soul. His name's the devil. And he wants that feeling of being overwhelmed to stall you out. 
He wants that feeling to rob you of your joy. He does not want you to grow in grace. He does not want you to grow in joy. He actually does not want you to become like Jesus. In fact, he wants to have you for a meal. But what I'm getting at is that this feeling of being overwhelmed is actually meant to take you to Jesus. This feeling of being overwhelmed is meant to take you to God. We, are, we cannot bear this responsibility of the word. We can't do that. Jesus has actually done that for us, and we need to lean in him. And so here's this beautiful picture that we have this grace of God's word that's given to us, that God has brought us into his new kingdom, that we were once blind, but now we see. There's this beautiful grace, and he, we have this grace in Jesus Christ that he is the, actually the one who has perfectly obeyed God's law, that he lived a life that you and I could not do, that in fact we fail to do every single day. But Jesus is the one who lived the life for us. And that, and friends, is meant to be freeing, that Jesus freed us there. But that freedom is, to, is actually meant to pull us deeper to God. My friend Bob, he's a pastor in California, he once said that if he would write a book, it would be the book entitled The Day After the Prodigal Son Returns. If you know the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, here's this young son in that he has basically cursed his father. He said, you're dead to me, and he has ran off, but now he has come back to the father. He has is, he is returned to him, and he's been reconciled to him. But my friend's book, Bob, he said that it would, that book would actually be about the prodigal son growing into his identity of a son. That would be about, it would be a picture of what it would look like for him to live like the father and to receive his inheritance that he once disregarded. But the picture is, is that even when we return to God, when we have this grace of God that he has shown us, it must change your life. That your life needs to be different because of the grace that God has shown you. And what I'm getting at is that while we have done nothing to earn our salvation, our salvation does have a responsibility to it. That we know Jesus only through the word of God and that's freely given to, to you even though we have done nothing to deserve it. But once we have God's word that has been freely given to us, it needs to change our lives. We have to speak about him. That here's Samuel who speaks this news that he was not happy to share. But this is all coming back to this idea that God still speaks to you today. And he's speaking to you today through the word of God. He has given you the Holy Spirit as well. But back to the situation, the the introduction I shared at the beginning. That when you get married, you share these words, I do, to one another. It's a grace. You're saying that you are fully loved. You're fully known. But your life will never be the same. And the same thing is what happens when you have children. That they are a gift. But once you have children, they are an incredible responsibility. Similarly, that when God speaks to you, it is a gift. It is a grace. That he makes himself known to you. That he makes himself known to you through the pages of scripture. And he's showing you his son, Jesus Christ. He's speaking clearly about who he is. He's speaking plainly about who you are. And it's a grace. It's meant to change your life. And so friends, let's 
pray for his grace to go deep into our hearts. But also let's have the the responsibility. Let's embrace the responsibility to grow in grace, to lean into the Holy Spirit so that we would become more like Jesus Christ, so that we would know this grace that God is still speaking to us today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your good word that you've given to us, that you still speak to us, that we who were once blind, we now see that we were once lost, but now we are found. So, Father, we, th- we pray that you would help us to delight in you, to delight in your words, to delight in your Son, Jesus Christ, that as we have this incredible picture here of you, you speaking words into our life, Father, we pray that you would minister deeply into our, li- into our life, that your word would plant seeds of your spirit, that we would grow in love and joy, And become more like your son, Jesus Christ. So Father, we pray for your word to go deep into our hearts. Help us to hold on to this promise. Knowing that you are helping us and making us more like your son. Every moment of our days. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.